Hello, HR professionals. Good news. This episode of the Cool Leaf podcast is valid for 0.5 professional development credits towards SHRM CP, SHRM SCP, and HRCI recertification. Stay tuned to access your certification code. Welcome to The Gray Retention, a show spotlighting executive leaders who build award-winning cultures where people feel empowered, seen, and recognized. I'm your co-host, John Duesberg, and I co-founded my business and this podcast with a simple idea. Life is short, so why not love the people with whom you work with? We have a passion for helping people-first leaders like you connect individuals and teams inside your organization to create stronger workplace communities and cultures. So whether you're leading a small business or a large enterprise in a fully distributed environment or an office culture, welcome to our community here at The Great Retention. In this episode, my business partner, Prem Bhatia, speaks with Roger Barnett, CEO of Message Gears, a customer engagement startup based in Atlanta, Georgia, about the importance of culture in building and scaling a business. Over the last several years, Message Gears has been named one of Atlanta's fastest growing companies by the Atlanta Business Chronicle, and they recently raised a $62 million round of funding and showed no signs of slowing down. Roger shares that every company has a culture and leaders who do not prioritize culture are neglecting an essential part of their business that affects everyone's daily working environment. At Message Gears, Roger and his team have defined nine core values that guide the kind of business that they want to run and the kind of environment that they want to create for their people and their customers. Prem talks with Roger about how this shows up through their hiring process, themes that guide their strategic vision to execute at a high level and continue this exciting pace of growth. Listen in this episode to learn more about the importance of culture and business and how Roger has built a positive value-driven culture at Message Gears. Welcome. So, Roger, thanks for taking some time to spend with Cool Leaf and Great Retention today. It's my pleasure. Um, I'm Prem Bhatti. I'm co-founder at Cool Leaf and uh, host of the Great Retention. So we're excited to join with Roger Barnett today, and he's the CEO of Message Gears. Uh, Roger is also a fellow Emory alum, so we have that connection. Uh, and go Eagles. Um, go so Eagles. Do you want to give us a quick intro on who you are and where you came from? Those yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. I um, have been in Atlanta for 30 years this month. I moved out of undergrad. I got an electrical and computer engineering degree from undergraduate school and um wrote code for a few years and decided to go back and get my MBA at Emory. Yeah. So proud Goizueta alum at Emory University. Um, and I started my first company in graduate school. Um, by the time I graduated in 1998, I had uh, my first startup. I had raised funds. We had an office space. We had customers. We had probably eight employees. So I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur and have been in the tech startup scene in Atlanta since the late 90s. And um, I love it here. Nice. Tell us a little bit about some of the startups you were involved in. Were they Atlanta-based startups in those days? All Atlanta-based. Um, my first company that I started uh, at at Emory, uh, while I was at Emory, was named Etor. Um, we raised $50 million. We grew to about 175 employees. Um, and grew very rapidly. It was, it was a successful business. We uh, were the stickiest site on the web. So that's defined as page views per visit in the world in 1999. And one of the top 20 most visited websites in the world in 1999. Um, 
ultimately we sold the business uh, after the dot-com crash to uh, Ask Jeeves, which is owned by IEC. And um, my head of marketing, that was a friend from memory, is now CEO of Yahoo and has had some really big um, – he ended up becoming CEO of Ask Jeeves and then through his career uh, has run different businesses and now CEO of Yahoo. Yahoo, Rick Carano, um, another friend from memory who was my CFO at Etour, is, uh, went on to run a local business um, that had a really good exit. Uh, called Purchasing Power. And Jen Bonet, who was my founding uh, technology leader, um, she went on to run ATDC here. Jen as was, well. Really? Yeah, I didn't know you had exactly. done that. I yeah, so there were four of us that uh, were the founding team, and Jen was, um, we had a mutual friend. Yeah, and she, okay. She was my first um, head of engineering. I haven't talked to Jen in a while. Yeah, she's, she's in too. Savannah, right? She's in Savannah. Yeah. I think she lives in Hilton Head, okay. um, but she kind of runs this tech startup institute there hey jen hey jen how's it going jen we're gonna like send this to you now um so and we're doing an emory ad today also Mm -hmm. it seems like there's a lot of emory connections which is cool um so tell us a little bit about when you got into the startup world you know what brought you to message gears like how did the journey lead to message gears ultimately for you well i started a company in early uh, 2004, and we combined with another it, called Search Ignite. We combined with another Atlanta-based um, business that was in digital marketing called 360i, and we ended up selling that business to a firm in New York. But I ended up staying there until um, late 2016, so it was a long run for me. But I I was running the technology um, division of that business, and and really felt like I was running the business I started the entire time. Um, and so we grew that to an Atlanta centric global business with, um, we had about 500 people and, um, we're over a hundred million revenue. And I was president of that company, but it was time for a variety of reasons to look for a new opportunity. Um, and I wanted to run an Atlanta based growing software company. And I looked around, uh, uh, lots of networking and, and, and lots of conversations with, um, with entrepreneurs and CEOs and private equity folks and um, landed uh, through a, a board member of Message Gears, John Hallett, introduced me to Dan Laurie, who's yeah. the founding CEO of Message Gears, and we hit it off. And awesome. after about a month or two, he invited me to join, and I was happy to do so. That's great. So you've been here, just remind, remind about me. About six and a half years. I uh, started years. in November of 2016. Tell us a little bit about the team. Um, here? Uh, well, the team is great. I, you know, I, I was excited about two things uh, when I started. Now, we were much smaller. Today, we have about 150 people. Mm-hmm. Um, we were probably about 10 people when I started. And I, I love the founding team, and I love the technology. Um, it's not often that you have a technology that is truly differentiated in the market um, in which you're selling. And Message Gears, for a small company, had something that was very groundbreaking and had proof from very big customers like Expedia that was using it and loved it. Um, so I was excited to take you know, my previous experience of growing and scaling software companies and taking that to a business that had a great technology foundation and a great team as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now we have, um, you know, one of the founders is, is still in a leadership position here. Taylor Jones is our chief customer officer and he's, um, 
great and does all things customer facing. Um, we have, you know, done a great job hiring in, uh, to have a chief revenue officer who is, um, actually an Atlanta based, um, professional, Matt McKernan. Mm-hmm. He came from nice software and I was really focused on hiring somebody with experience of selling really big deals. Um, and that's what he did there and, and led multiple teams doing that. Uh, Natalia Dickey is our new chief marketing officer and her right hand is, Will Devlin, who was here when I started, and Will's our VP of marketing and, and does a fabulous job. Um, and uh, Craig Pohan was my CTO at Search Ignite and Ignition One. So we've worked together now almost 20 years, and he's runs uh, runs our technology and product teams. Very cool. Um, I know some of those names, so that's great. I know. Um, so when you think about your team today and kind of what you're putting together for the future, um, Tell us a little bit about you know, how does culture fit into your plan for message gears? How important is it? What's the relevance of culture? I think culture is is the most important part of building and growing and scaling the business. And I say that with the awareness that every company has a culture. Um, so. CEOs that decide culture isn't um, one of their priorities um, are deciding that they're not going to focus on a part of their business that's important to everybody's day-to-day working job and environment. Yeah. And and there's no right culture. Um, there are companies that are extremely successful that have cultures that I wouldn't want to work in or lead, but it works for them. I, I think the main thing about culture is being purposeful about it. Um, for a leader to say, what kind of business do I want to lead and that I can consistently lead and provide expectations for existing employees and prospective employees, but this is the kind of environment you can expect. This is um, how you will be managed and this is your opportunities for growth and here's what your day-to-day environment looks like. And because creating expectations and managing um, and working with like-minded people, I think is the most important thing because you you want to work, you spend so much of your waking hours with your colleagues, um, either in person or virtual, and you want to work with people who you trust and who you respect and you're all kind of growing the boat in the same direction. So I think culture is massively important, whatever business. Where does it start when you think about the hiring process? Um, how does that, how does it start for you all in that identification of candidates and then fit into culture? Tell us a little bit about how you determine that. We were a pretty small company when I started. And like I say, we had about 10 people, but the first offsite executive strategy offsite we had, we spent most of our time talking about culture. Um, I was, Expecting and planning to grow a very big business, we're still on that trajectory and have a long way to go. But um, if we were going to grow, I wanted internally, first of all, to set expectations for the kind of company that we were going to run and lead and grow. And so over the course of a day and a half, we established nine core values of the kind of business we want to run and the kind of business we want to grow. And those are still our nine values today. We had a company meeting yesterday. I went through all nine talked about why, they're, why they are important to us. Um, to answer your question directly about 
new hires. I think it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, during the hiring process, we go through these nine values. Say, this is Messes Gears. This is who we are. Is this the kind of environment you want to work in? Because this is how you will be um, managed. This is how you will be judged on performance um, based on how you're – in fact, one of our – we have quarterly business – our quarterly reviews with our um, – we call them check-ins, quarterly check-ins with our employees. And we talk about core values and which values you know the employees most exude. Um, so it's from the very beginning of the relationship with prospective employees. We talk about who we are and ask if this is the kind of environment they want to work in. Mm-hmm. Do you think companies that don't have core values or can't name those core values from an employee standpoint, how does that differentiate from those that really understand those core values? I think something you said is very important. Um, can't name their core values. I, not every company that has um, that has a sense of self has explicit values. I think it's very helpful, and I would recommend that. It doesn't have to be nine. Nine's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think most companies, and probably a best practice, is having four or five. But having a sense of who you are. Um, and reminding your employees of that. And nothing gives me greater joy than when I'm walking down the hallway or I'm in a meeting and somebody else points out, well, that's not exhibiting one of our values or we're biased towards action is one of our values. And we're leaving a meeting. Somebody says, we need next steps, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and who's going to own that? Yeah. So those types of things um, make me, uh, you know, put a smile on my face. I, I think that it's easy for a company to lose their way as they grow. Um, as employee number 100 gets hired versus employee number eight gets hired, um, expressing what maybe were unsaid values and everybody worked. But when, when the company gets bigger, I think it needs to be more explicit. Mm-hmm. Are you all thinking about those values changing or is it something that you consider kind of static for, uh, do you evolve those values over time or is that something that you typically will stay on point with? It's a great question. We have not change them in over six years yeah. uh, really not a word um, we talked about as an executive team earlier this year we have this theme in, in 2023 about striving for excellence we raised a big round of funding in December and um, we acquired a business in December as well um, we're at a really fun but pivotal point in in the arc of our company history where we have the resources and the foundation really to do anything we want. You know, instead of a scrappy undercapitalized software startup where you do the best you can with what you have and the resources you have, um, we have resources, we have people, we have unbelievable customers. It's just about execution and really uh, taking advantage of our potential now. And so the theme for this year, and we talk about it over and over with the employees, is striving for excellence. We need to be great. Um, we have the potential to be great. Um, and so we need to strive to do that. There was some internal discussion about do we add that to our core values? Um, we haven't yet. Uh, I think that um, it's the kind of thing that might be added in the future, uh, but I think it's it's is reflective of how we haven't changed them and they work so well. We're uh, hesitant to add and take things away. Um, so for now, when we have a new theme, it's just that, a theme where our underlying core values support that. Yeah. 
So when you think about culture and the companies that you looked at to kind of model message gears culture, um, cause I think every company at a certain stage kind of looks to the companies at the next mm-hmm. stage and says like, you know, where they are is where we want to kind of be from a culture standpoint. This is how, not necessarily in your space, but prototypical example of like you're trying to model after somebody. What would that, which companies like kind of come to mind for you? You know, that's a great question. You know, I'm not sure that I had any particular companies in mind. Um, you know, there's certainly CEOs I respect, including local, um, you know, growing businesses in Atlanta um, that had software leaders that happy employee bases and growing rapidly that we certainly looked at their core values and their mission statements. Um, but, you know, I have, uh, 25 years experience for growing businesses, um, some of them much larger than than we are today. And a lot of it was my own experience of running and leading businesses in the past and thinking about things I would want to do differently or better. Um, and frankly, creating core values when we were 10 people is one of those things. Mm-hmm. When you have over 100 people saying now we need to have an emphasis on culture, it's really hard yep. to change culture um, at a company of any scale. Um, but but starting foundationally and, and being able to kind of mold the clay about the kind of business you want to create culturally um, is one of those things. You know, there's lots of values like um, we assume goodwill. I think in a remote environment, that's really important that you're not... Um, you know, that, that you assume that people that you work with, uh, are trying to accomplish the same goals you're trying to accomplish. Um, they don't have to agree with you, but goodwill means that they're trying in earnest to solve the same problems you're trying to solve and have a difference of opinion. And if you assume goodwill, you can hash that out. If you assume that it's corrosive behavior, um, even if it's not, that, that creates really real hardships on an organization to to be productive. Um, the second half of that value is we assume goodwill, but we are intolerant of corrosive behavior. Um, life's too short to work with people who uh, drain you of energy, no matter how great of an individual contributor they may be to the company. So those types of things come, frankly, from um, previous personal experience that, you know, yeah. the kind of business I wanted to create here. Fantastic. Are you parting advice to founders that are starting and thinking about starting uh, for folks that are now, a lot of folks now are in the market that potentially weren't before mm-hmm. and also thinking about their entrepreneurial potential new journeys. Um, and for those that are at the stages of three, four, two, three, ten people, yeah. whatever it is, how would you advise, how would you advise them around culture and values from the beginning? Well, I would say be very clear with yourself as a leader and a founder of a business of the kind of company you want to to lead and grow and and think about that and be conscious and purposeful about that, number one. Um, being as transparent as you can be, as, as being as transparent as you're comfortable being, uh, pushing that to the limit. I've found... Um, the more transparent I am with the company, the more I get out of my employees. Um, when they feel invested in what we're doing and know and better understand 
the reasons we make the decisions we make as a leadership team, um, the better off the company is in almost every single circumstance I've been involved in. Um, I also say while culture is so important and we really track and monitor, you know, Glassdoor and our employee ratings, we're very proud of the fact, if I could give ourselves a shout out, um, you know, we were ranked by the Atlanta Business Chronicle, number one place to work two years ago, number three place to work last year. Nice. Um, we're very proud of those things. It, it doesn't mean that you should not hold employees to high expectations. Um, we value our great employees and um, we have quantitative metrics on as much as we can for every employee that we have. And, you know, one thing I would say to founders and, and business leaders is your A players want to work with other A players. That's great. So thank you for your time today, uh, Roger, and for joining us. Sean, oh, thank you. This is my yeah. pleasure. Thank you all. Right, bye. That wraps up another edition of The Great Retention. Thank you for joining us and being a leader who genuinely cares about recognizing and empowering the everyday hero and the team members around you. We are proud to support your leadership journey and grateful for your support of this podcast. If you haven't already, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. This helps us get this content in front of more aspiring people first business leaders. If you'd like more perspectives on how to create exceptional cultures around award-winning talent, go to coolleaf.com and sign up for our newsletter to get them straight into your inbox two times per month. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat With Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening. Now go be people first leaders by celebrating and connecting your people today. HR professionals, thanks for listening. As promised, this episode of the Cool Leaf podcast is valid for 0.5 professional development credits towards SHRM CP, SHRM SCP, and HRCI recertification. To claim your SHRM credit, please visit www.coolleaf.com podcast SHRM. To claim your HRCI credit, please visit www.coolleaf.com slash podcast slash HRCI. Complete the three-question form to receive your certification code. That's coolleaf.com slash podcast slash SHRM and coolleaf.com slash podcast slash HRCI.